Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. What is up, Wizards fans? Welcome to the Wizards Tip-Off podcast presented by Greenberg and Betterman Personal Injury Lawyers. I'm your host, Chase Hughes, and on today's episode, I'll be joined by my co-host, Chris Miller, as well as Andy Betterman, sponsor of the Wizards Tip-Off podcast, part of Greenberg and Betterman, the law firm, and also a longtime Wizards season ticket holder and fan. So we'll get his backstory, why he became a Wizards fan, and what he loves about this team. Um, he is at a lot of those games and knows a lot about the team, so it was an interesting conversation. Chris and I went through the ridiculous amount of injuries uh, the Wizards are going through right now. Speaking of personal injuries, they had seven players at practice today. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, we'll break all that down. We'll also uh, look at the Wizards' search for a free agent point guard, what we think they should do. We'll also look back at the incident on Saturday night between Thomas Adaransky and Bobby Portis, what we thought about that and what we thought about how the Wizards responded because we heard from Thomas Sadoransky today for the first time since he took that hard fall on the floor at the United Center in Chicago. All right, you'll hear from Chris Miller right after a word from these sponsors. All right, Chris, I'm glad I have you here today because without you, I'm not sure I could run through all the injuries and the ailments that the Wizards are going through right now. They had seven healthy players today at practice on Monday. Otto Porter had to play some point guard. After the Bulls game on Saturday, he told you that he hadn't played point guard since high school. Also, a Wizards assistant named Cam had to run some at point guard. So let's see if you can run through all the injuries and ailments that the Wizards are going through right, right. now. John's out, we know, with the knee. Right. Uh, Tim Frazier had surgery on his nose yesterday. He's going to have to wear a mask, by the way. Sato um, passed the first stage of the concussion protocol but he's still uh so that's three players he's with us he's with us but i don't know if he's with us still (laughs) that's three players and you're just at the point guard position so then we've got keith who has the flu jason smith has the flu uh jan was back today but he left at halftime am i missing somebody and then hold on hold on who am i missing don't don't tell me Well, actually, Kelly cut his hand oh, did he? in Chicago, but he, he practiced. 
Uh, all right, who am I missing? I think the last guy would be Bradley Beal, although he's not injured. He just had a day of rest. I think that's why. Oh, uh, yeah, that maintenance day. Set. That's a maintenance right, day. All right, we'll chalk that up as a maintenance but, uh, day. But, yeah, this team is going through a lot right now, and I saw uh, trainer Jesse Phillips walk in today with a bunch of flu masks. You know, you see people walking around with those. Or if you're Always uh, going around. doing some painting or something like that, you know, you cut, protect the air that you breathe. So that stuff is really, really tough to kind of keep in check because these guys are in such close quarters on the flight, in the locker room, sitting next to each other on the bench, uh, playing against each other in practice. High-fiving all the time. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of germs that go around these places. Um, I'll tell but, you what I did do in the Chicago game. What's that? So as soon as I heard Jan, went, as soon as I heard Keith wasn't playing and then Jan didn't come back in the second half, I didn't dap anybody. I had the uh, stat sheet over my nose interviewing <laughs> dudes from a distance. You're not going to get me caught up. How was the snow up there, by the way? Awful. God. I, did, I, told, I told my wife, I like Chicago for two, in two months. Two months of the year, I like Chicago. And, and typically, it's probably like May and June. And February isn't one of those months? February is not one of them. Yeah, I want to go to Chicago. I've never been, but I'm not going in February. No. That's probably the worst month to go there. Couldn't get an Uber. For, what, what night was that? One of the, the nights Too we much flew snow? in. Couldn't get, any, couldn't get an Uber. Wow. Got a lift, though. Shout out to Lyft. Yeah. They came and got us. <laughs> yeah, you got to get those four-wheel drive lifts, man. <laughs> um, so, obviously, these injuries are coming at a time where the Wizards are fortunate to have three days off in between games, and then they go to the All-Star break. But, Chris, they got to get through this last game. And say Tim Frazier or Thomas Sadoransky can't go, and they're left with one point guard. I mean, God forbid they're left with no point guards, but if they have just one point guard, how do you handle that if you're Scott Brooks? Give Scott a, a, a jersey and tell him to go out there and just <laughs> – Or Sidney Lowe. Don't forget about him. Sidney Lowe. Um, you know, I think what they could do is they can just sign a guy to a 10-day contract because if you think about it, um, they're still in the market – uh, from what I'm told, uh, to bring in a backup point guard, I think, for uh, the rest of the year. And uh, I have a pretty good idea who that guy is, but you know me, I'm a wait. <laughs> uh, but I, I know that they're in the market for a guy um, for the rest of the season. Not to say that they don't have any confidence in Sato or Frazier. I think they've, they've been able to gain some confidence from the way they're playing, but I think you're still going to need a little bit more of an offensive punch from that position moving forward until John comes back. But, boy, Sato made a strong case. And I saw that that, that little Twitter thing you did during the game about – The Derrick Rose rumors. Yeah, I, I, I saw what you did there. Uh, Sato was having none of that. Yeah. So he went out and had a career night just to tell right, him, don't right. forget, Derek Rose? in oh, the building. Watch this. I'll shoot 10 for 12. The Derrick Rose thing to me, I mean, it's a non-starter for me. I, I think this Yeah, was, we need to discuss that, though. I think it was um, I think it was planet to get a market for him in the league. Um, I don't see that being a good fit here. Um, he couldn't play with John when John comes back. I, I'm just, you know, l let's just move on from that. I think that was a planet story, which I'm not surprised. Uh, but I, I will tell you that they are in the market for a backup point guard. Yeah, the Wizards right now are in an interesting spot because they're down to the position where their roster is where they have to sign a guy over the next, I think it's about 10 or 11 days from now, uh, to get to 14. So it's probably going to happen sometime soon. I, I think we're, we're all kind of seeing that it's probably going to be a backup point guard uh, based on the way things have gone these last few days. But I think the, the real question now is, do they sign a second guy? Because Scott Brooks did leave that 
possibility open. He left that door open, said, um, you know, we are definitely looking. We might sign two guys um, because, like I said, I think there's other needs that they could address that going for a backup point guard, I think, in a sense, is a little surprising because with the way Thomas is playing, I think a lot of people would not want to see minutes taken away from him, uh, especially with John out, but even when John comes back. I understand why they're doing it, but I, I, to me, I think a backup shooting guard to alleviate some minutes for Brad um, is imperative. I mean, the guy is exhausted, uh, and he's good enough in a game in Chicago in which the shot wasn't falling to still impact the game with his decision-making um, and, and allowing to be – he was really a decoy. Because the way Sato was playing, you know, obviously Chicago had no respect for him, so he he took it out on him. But it, I don't think Sato would have that career night if it wasn't for Brad being out there facilitating and just being a threat every time he touched the ball. Do you think part of this point guard search is supply and demand and also the idea that they have talked about this over the last year? They would like to see Thomas Sadoransky play other positions other than point guard. Now he can shoot threes. He can stretch the floor. Is it that crazy to think that if they do sign a backup point guard, that that might mean a little bit more time for Thomas at the two and three positions? I mean, playing multiple positions, I think, is something that Sato can evolve into. I think right now him being a backup point guard is where he's probably most comfortable. But to get out on the floor and transition and be an athlete, which he is, can help this team moving forward. But he he has so many good qualities that I think people are finally seeing now that you know he uses his mind just as much as he uses his athleticism and regardless if he gets beat off the dribble he's still going to be in there and being active using his hands and he's just been a pleasant surprise and and I, I knew really since last year I thought once he got an opportunity I thought he was going to make the most of it because the kid's hungry and he's competitive um He's very competitive, and I think people look at the old, you know, oh, golly gee, he's got a cute kid face and think, nah, he's an assassin. He's got killer in him, and I just like seeing him out there, especially in the Chicago game where they were really disrespectful on his jump shot, and he just kept putting it in their eye. It was the best game he said he's ever had. Didn't even have a game like Not that. Not even in the Spanish League. playing yeah. the Spanish League, which is pretty amazing. Um, so Sadoransky's really coming around. I'm not sure there are many point guards, backup point guards in the NBA who could come in, whether they're starting or off the bench, and shoot like he did that last game. Five for six from three, 10 of 12 from the field. I mean, that's incredibly efficient. He was shooting, it was like he was shooting into Lake Michigan. I know, man. (laughs) The only way they could stop him was hurting him, basically. I mean, they knocked him out of the game. Otherwise, he probably would have gotten a few more points. He probably would have knocked down those free throws and maybe approached 30 points. Yeah, which that that, that, that play by Portis, and I know Chicago, uh, they're out there You're hearing it from the fans on Twitter? Because I am. Yeah, so... And Bobby Fred, Fred Hoiberg uh, today said, and I just want to read you a quote. I'll say this about Bobby. He's a wonderful kid, one of the most polite kids I've been around, yes sir, no sir type kid, uh, who is very competitive. Um, so again, I say the other night, there was nothing dirty about that play. And there's just been a lot of conversation about it, which is good. Um, I don't necessarily think that the guy's intent was to do that, but I do think uh, time and, I'm a time and situation type guy. If it's 235 left in the game, the Wizards are up 10. Um, there's an unwritten rule in the league. I've been covering this league for 20 years, and I know the rule. The unwritten rule is if a guy is in the air like that, you do not swipe against his arms because what's going to happen? He's already in the air, and he's going to land like the way Sato did, and too many bad things can happen. He could have he broke his wrist. He could have actually landed on his head first 
first, and it could have been a lot worse than what he had. There's just so many things that can happen. I just – I've seen it too many times, Chase, where nothing good comes out of swiping, okay? He's making it seem like he was, like, trying to block the shot. He swiped at it, and when you do that – you know, I'm not a real physics major, but I just know that that kind of force that you're bringing with somebody in the air ends up looking like what we saw with Sato. Yeah, he hooked his arm, and a lot of Bulls fans have come after me and uh, on Twitter. And Bobby Portis tweeted at Jody Meeks about his comments, saying, "Come on, I was looking, I was going for the ball. He might have gotten some of the ball, but he got a lot of arm, and that momentum flipped." Sadoransky around and it could have been a lot worse. I mean, he could have really seriously gotten hurt. I'm surprised that he was able to pass the concussion protocol and looks like he might have a chance of playing on Wednesday. I wouldn't play him. Yeah. Sit that man out and let him get some time. Listen, one game against the awful Knicks is not going to make or break our season. I just say that. Just sit the kid down. Yeah. I don't want to see Frazier. If you got to go out there for one game and have OP run point, then so be it. He'll just back you down like Andre Miller to hold you. Fine. <laughs> but I, I, don't, I don't think making some kind of huge declaration or have these guys go out there and play against the Knicks, mind you, is not going to make or break the season. I should add that uh, Brooks did say Kelly Oubre played summit point guard today so that's a possibility and we we have seen Otto at times this year bring the ball up the court when John's out and uh, you know he's confident enough ball handler at this point where he can do that you know one thing that came out of the Bobby Portis incident that I thought was interesting what uh, the fact that he took out both of the point guards yeah well one of them was inadvertent yeah he he basically kneed uh, Tim Frazier in the face and broke his nose and knocked him out in the second quarter but the Wizards didn't retaliate. There was no no one who came off the bench. There was no one who got in Portis's face even. They kind of, uh, the guys on the court were, it seemed like a little worried and scared about uh, Sadoransky. I remember Otto Porter ran over and just kind of immediately waved for the training staff. They thought it was pretty serious. Some people I've seen argue that, hey, aren't you going to stick up for your teammate? And I think there's an argument for the Wizards that they obviously did the right thing because no punishment came out of this. Do you think there's any argument to say that, hey, someone should have told Bobby Portis, what are you doing? You don't do that to our teammate. We're talking about Bobby Portis. Okay. That's true. <laughs> you think no that, one wanted to mess man, with listen, him? Listen, listen. Get the, the two-piece in the biscuit? One, the one thing I do know is that man put his paws on his teammate and put him to sleep. Okay, I. he's crazy. There's a lot of fake tough dudes in the league. I don't think he's fake tough, and I don't think we had anybody out there that wanted that action. And yeah. I would just say, listen, <laughs> cool, cooler heads prevailed. <laughs> Move along. Nothing to see here. Uh, I don't necessarily think if Keith would have been out there, cooler heads would have prevailed. But I'm almost kind of glad that he had the flu because I don't know if Keith would have let that one go. But I'm glad cooler heads prevailed because you don't want to make the situation worse than what it was. Was Keith on? He wasn't on the bench, right? No. Yeah. No. I wonder. No, no. I would he love to. The, he had the flu flu. He I had would, just the flu. He had the flu flu. I would love to know how he reacted to seeing that because – Generally, it's Markeith Morris who's the first guy there. Uh, we saw what happened between Bradley Beal and Draymond Green in Golden State. Uh, you certainly saw that because it kind of oh, I felt it too. I experienced it played out hand. in your it's lap in my lap. Uh, but Markeith Morris was hurt at the time. He was in a suit and he was right on the court. I mean, he's got a suspension he got for suspended it. Suspended for it. Yeah. Got suspended against his former team, a game he probably would have liked to play, um, and had to return one game later. But. You're right, man. Uh, Markeith Moore's not being there is a huge detail that kind of needs to be pointed out because he's the retaliator. But I'm, gl- I'm just glad 
cooler heads prevailed. But yeah. it was it was um, it was an unwarranted play. It, it, it shouldn't have happened. But because um, it did, he got the flagrant two. Subsequent ejection from the game. Uh, hopefully, the guys move on because they will see him again in Chicago soon. That's right. Maybe that's when there's a little shove from Keith and say, hey, you're not going to do that again. Right, because every time he sees Al Horford, he's getting at least yeah, one foul. Right. There will be exactly. one of his many fouls he gets. One of them will be pushing Al Horford. And Bobby Portis is a bad dude, but Keith's a little bit bigger than him. And Keith is also a bad dude. Keith, listen, Keith's about that life, man. Bobby Portis put his hands on his teammate and put him to sleep, and they got the teammate out of town. Right. Think about that. That's true. They didn't trade Bobby Portis. <laughs> they got Miritich out of there. That's true. That's that's a bad dude. That's true. Um, you and I, uh, later this week, will talk more about the All-Star game, which is in Los Angeles this coming weekend. Of course, Bradley Beal will be out there for the three-point shooting contest on Saturday night, trying to avenge that second-place finish that he had in his, his first time out there. Of course, Bradley Beal will be representing the Wizards in that All-Star game. But Chris Miller... For you, what's uh, what's this weekend going to be like? What are you looking forward to in Los Angeles? I get to see my daughter who lives out in L.A. Uh, I get to do some sneaker shopping in the uh, sneaker uh, capital of the world. Nice. Uh, we'll take in some of the festivities. Uh, but more importantly, just get off my feet, Chase. You know, we got a second half to focus on. So, um, Yeah, I hope you get some R&R, man. Yeah, we'll I know we'll this is your all-star break. You'll be working. Yeah, I'll be working. But I'm going to get a little R&R. The weather's supposed to be nice, knock on wood, no uh, no rain. Unlike the last time it was in L.A., it rained the entire weekend, John's rookie year. Don't think I ain't forgot L.A. <laughs> You're better than that. So hopefully uh, no rain. Hopefully we'll enjoy a little uh, R&R and get a little work done. You know where I'm going? I have no idea. Where are you going? I'm going to Miami for the first time in my life. Hey, buddy. Well, and guess you, what, folks? I'll be doing this podcast in the second <laughs> half of the season because Chase will be stuck in Miami. <laughs> uh, yeah, speaking of that, you know what I'm going to do? What are you doing? I'm going to do one of those Everglades alligator tours. Oh, we definitely won't see you no more. Yeah, Listen, have man, you ever done nice. that before? Nah. I mean, alligators <laughs> have a real sensitive relationship. Good luck with you out there with the alligators, man. It was really nice knowing you. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I was wondering <laughs> if, if you would do that. No. No? No. Okay. No, no, well, no. yeah. Uh, pray for I understand alligator space in this world, and their space is their space. I won't ever yeah. go into their space. Yeah, because they got the big boys down there, man. Yeah, those I'm things not, push yeah. 10, I'm, 12 feet. So yeah, you have I'm hoping I that. see some of those. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> All right, cool, Chris. Right, well, man. best of luck in L.A., and you and I will uh, talk more later this week. I don't know if you go into my, well, we will talk the rest of this week. So maybe I'll give you a. Uh, Maybe I'll give you a present, man. We'll pray. We'll pray for you in the next <laughs> podcast before you go down to the Everglades. Cool. Well, lis- right, listeners out there on the other end of this break, I'll talk to the sponsor of our Wizards Tip Off podcast, Andy Betterman. Office, they will come to you. Now joining me in studio on the Wizards Tip-Off podcast is a special guest. You know the name, you know the voice. It's Andy Betterman, the proud sponsor of the Wizards Tip-Off podcast, of course, from Greenberg and Betterman Personal Injury Lawyers. Andy, thanks for joining the show. My pleasure, Chase. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So not only are you a sponsor of this show, but you're a longtime D.C. sports fan, Wizards, Bullets fan. Would you consider yourself a fan of all the sports in town or just the basketball team? Well, I was born here in 1953, if you can believe that long time ago and I I've I've grown up here spent most of my youth and certainly all of my adult life here so to answer your question yes I'm a Washington sports fan some sports better than others (laughs) some sports better than others I used to see the Senators 
when I was a kid, but they were terrible. Not a big baseball fan. I do like the Redskins quite a bit. Haven't grown up here. Not really a hockey fan, but man, do I love the NBA. So it's always been about the Bullets and the Wizards, the huh? Bullets and then the Wizards, yes. Uh, what, are, what are some of your earliest memories about the Bullets? Um, the championship in 1978-79. I just uh, finished law school and come back to town. Where'd you go to law school? I went to Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. Why did I go there? Yeah. I mean, number one, it's a fine school. <laughs> but secondly, I went there to... <laughs> You're going to edit this, right? <laughs> secondly, I went there because I, I really wasn't ready to come back to D.C. Yeah, okay. I really wasn't ready to come back to D.C. But I got a fine education. Right. Um, so why did you take to the, the local NBA team? Um, interesting question. You know, I was thinking about that over the weekend. And I remember growing up as a, as a young kid, you know, like five, six, seven, eight, my friend's dad, because my father really wasn't that in the sports, but my friend's dad being a big NBA fan, a local fan, and having the NBA on, on TV in his home all the time. And I essentially lived in my friend's house. I was there quite a bit, so I would see it there. And then, uh, you know, I went away to college, and everybody was sort of into the NBA. There, there were people from all different, all different states and cities there, and there was this ongoing competition about whose team was better. And, and back then, you had right. bragging rights as a Bullets exactly, fan. Exactly, and it just so turns out that the Bullets were, were great then with Wes and the Big E and Bobby D and, and Mitch Kupchak and Greg Ballard, who were rookies, Bill Chenier. I mean, it, it was an incredible run for a couple of years, it really was. Yeah, there's been some times, of course, over the years uh, where Wizards fans couldn't be all that confident and, and boastful about their team, but back then, man, it was like the Warriors now. I mean, they were the best exactly. team around. Exactly. Um, they, they had a great season in 78, won the championship, and then they went to the finals the next year after another very successful season and got swept. Right. Um, so you've been a season ticket holder for a long time as well, right? Yes, yeah, since I think for about 28 years. 28 years. So going back to what, 1990? I think so, yeah. So Initially, you've been you've been there for uh, the early 90s with Tom Gugliotta, then mm -hmm. Chris Webber, Juwan Howard, Michael Jordan. Um, obviously before it was Rick Capital Moore. One Arena. Before it was and MCI what, Center, right? Gilbert Arenas years, and then Gilbert nowadays, Arenas, yes. yeah. Um, what? Who have been some of your favorite players over the years? Um, uh, you know, the championship team is probably my favorite of all time because that's where I grew up watching, and that's who's been the Phil most Chenier. successful. Chenier, Wes, Elvin Hayes, Bobby Dandridge, um, and then you had Kupchak and Greg Ballard as rookies, essentially. And they were just very successful. They were a joy to watch, and they were very successful. Kevin Grevy. Kevin Grevy, yes. I remember him. He had, a, he had him. a nice restaurant in uh, Maryfield, Virginia, for I, a little no while. <laughs> I have to say, I've never been there. Yeah. Nothing personal, Kevin, really, but I've right, never right. been. But I'm sure it's quite successful. Uh, what was the first game you attended? Do you remember? That I cannot recall. Yeah. I, that I cannot recall. I do remember coming back from law school in, like, 19... Must have been 79 or 80 when they were... I went to the last game of the Eastern Conference Finals... Maybe it was the year that they went back to the championship and they beat the Spurs with George Gervin at the buzzer. It was a game six. I remember Bobby Dandridge just sank a jumper and boom, it was over. And it was pandemonium. It was insane. What do you remember about uh, going to basketball games back then compared to now? I'd imagine it's a lot different. Much different. I mean, it was at Capitol Center, which was on the Beltway, so you'd have to drive uh, some distance on the Beltway, usually in traffic. It was a lot more difficult to get there. Not not quite as bad as going to a Redskin game, but yes, you know. But you had to drive on the Beltway. You had to park. You had to go in, then you had to leave and drive back. And there was always traffic getting in, in and out of Capital Center. But since uh, the Verizon Center opened, or whatever it was, MCI Arena, now Verizon, now Capital One, 
since that opened, it's just it's just just a mar- it's just a joy to go to. So you've been going to games since the opening of that building. They just in I December have. celebrated twenty years that it's yes. been open. Obviously, it's been under some different names. I have been it's going about there. to go through a renovation, forty million dollar renovation, new concessions, different color seats, that sort of thing. But thank God, uh, yeah. How have you seen that that arena uh, and specifically the area around it change? Well, being a Washingtonian, I've seen Washington change dramatically in my lifetime, not just around there, but certainly, you know, with the opening of. Uh, of the MCI arena, uh, the, you know, Penn Quarter started to change and look at it now. I mean, back then it was economically depressed uh, and now it is, uh, it's just vibrant. You know, the, the great thing about going to an NBA game, for me at least, as opposed to a football game, I can't speak about hockey because I'm not a hockey guy, but you can go down, have a nice dinner. The game doesn't take nine hours. That's right. You know, it takes two hours, two hours, 30 minutes, hop on the Metro and boom, you're home. So it really is not an all night or, you know, uh, all-night affair, uh, but no, the area is incredible. It really is incredible. Yeah, major difference. I used to cover baseball. I covered the Nationals for a long time. You have no idea when those games are going to end. I know that. And for a long time, there wasn't much to do around there. Now they've kind of opened some restaurants. Clearly, the p- before and after game, there's a lot more options when it comes to going to see a Wizards game than there is right. for right. Uh, the Redskins or Nationals. Um, who's your favorite player on today's team? Favorite player on today's team? I have two. John Wall and Brad Beal. Oh yeah, okay. That that's simple. How's simple that? enough. I have Two best players. players. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, John Wall. I've been watching him since he came here. He's a right. marvel to watch. It's just insane. Where do you usually sit when you're at the games? I've been fortunate to have tickets in. Uh, I'm, I'm right behind the scorers table. Oh, okay. So I'm. So you uh, can you can see the speed of John Wall yes. uh, compared to other players pretty well. I'm on the I'm at the hockey barrier in the middle of the of section 100. So I'm about five rows. Maybe six, seven rows from the floor, elevated a little bit. I used to be about ten rows further back, which, you know, frankly, may be better seats if you want to watch the game develop. But the seats I have now are good. Can and you yeah. hear uh, the the chatter on the court between refs it, yeah. and coaches absolutely, and absolutely. all that? Absolutely. Yeah, I can hear that. Sometimes stuff the, you can't repeat on this podcast. Exactly. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes hear these fans that don't really come on a regular basis who think they're experts who won't yes, stop talking. Right. Yell at the coach to play exactly. Jason Smith. Exactly. Who, who do you hear fans yell uh, that? Coach should play more, more often. Because I hear I Jason Smith a lot. I don't really hear that, honestly, yeah. from where I sit. I hear the players interacting more than yeah. I do the anyone yelling at the coach to put a player in or take him out. But I think I think uh, John Wall is a generational player, and Bradley Beal is a generational player. It's insane. Absolutely. Uh, two very young players, of course, were picked for the All-Star game. John Wall's hurt, so he yes. won't be playing. But Bradley Beal, that's going to be a special moment for the franchise this weekend. Um, what are some of the more memorable games you've attended? I'm sure there's a, a lot that will come to mind. Well, certainly the uh, Game 5 in the Celtics series last year. I think it was Game 5. Game 6. It was Game the, 6. Yeah, right? the game-winning game shot. Six, yeah. Where, John, where, where the John, John Wall sank the game-winning shot and jumped up on the table, which was sort of right in front of me. That was, it was pandemonium. Yeah. It was great. That was, was right great. in front of you, huh? Well, pretty much. I mean, yeah. a little bit to the left. Yeah. Because he jumped really, he jumped, or, he jumped right in front of the timekeeper. Have you gone back and watched the video or the pictures and seen yeah. if you're in them? I have, no, I, don't, I, yeah. <laughs> I haven't done that. I haven't done that. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't. What about, you know, back in the 90s, early 2000s? Do you remember seeing some Michael yeah. Jordan buzzer beaters? Or, you know, I, just, I have sort of a vague memory of those years because the team was just so bad. I mean, yeah. I really didn't yeah. enjoy any success. You know, and, really, and since John Wall came and other players have joined since then, the team's certainly on an upward arc. But I don't, I don't have much of a specific... Recollection. I was afraid you were going to ask me this. Of games in the you know the two thousands, 
uh, in the late 90s because it was just a sort of sort of a struggle. It was an ordeal going down there. Um, but it's a gas. I love it. I mm-hmm. love it. Um, who, who do you think has been uh, the most impressive player in terms of improvement maybe that you've seen on this team or in recent years that you're just maybe surprised you? You know, John Wall and Bradley Beal were the top draft picks. I know earlier you were talking about Thomas Sadoransky. Is he someone that comes to mind? Yeah, I think he's in. I think he's just on an upward arc. He's a very talented kid. Obviously, he's tall. He can play the point, right? Obviously, he can jam. Nobody really knew that until recently. But he's paid. You know, he paid his dues in Europe, and now he's gotten the opportunity here, and he seized it. He really is quite a player. I think he has a a really high ceiling. I think they got a gem in him. Did you uh, play basketball growing up? Well, <laughs> funny you ask that. <laughs> And I'm five six if I push it. Yeah. But I, I tried to play. But, five six know, in shoes. Yeah, but back now nah, <laughs> maybe five. Let's say five five and three quarters. How's that? Okay, that works. But uh, I tried to play back then, but I was always too short, and there really wasn't a role. This, this is the pre Muggsy Bog Muggsy Bogues era, you know, before there was a role. He changed for, the game. Right. Yeah. Before there was a role for for guys shorter than me, like him and Spud Webb and so on. Earl Boykins used to play right, for the exactly. Wizards. He was real exactly. small. He was really yeah. good. Uh, but you no, know, I didn't play, but I hung out a lot. I was offered the managership of the basketball team in junior high, but I, I, I said no thanks. Well, what high school did you go to? I went to BCC High School, but I went to Montgomery Hills Junior High. Oh, okay. Which doesn't exist anymore. That was at uh, Georgia and the Beltway. Um, I was offered the managership, managership of that basketball team, but I declined. <laughs> well, obviously things worked out for you pretty well. Well, uh, I have. Yeah, I can't complain. Yeah, you're a Greenberg and Betterman. Once again, proud sponsors of the Wizards Tip-Off Podcast. You know, we hear you describe it in those 30-second commercials, but uh, to the listeners who, uh, you know, may be in need of, of some... .com. Okay. And if you're too busy to come to GNB's office, they will come to you, correct? Yes, we will. That's right. We will. All right. Well, I appreciate you joining the show. My pleasure. Thanks yeah, for having thanks me. Thanks a lot. And, uh, you know, good luck to, to the Wizards, especially when you're at those games. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.